What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tea with Tina podcast, and we are here for another whatever Wednesday. So for whatever Wednesday, I'm going to catch you up on a book I've been reading, a show I watched, it is a murder documentary, and then we're going to talk about health and fitness. We're going to talk about gut health. Gut health is kind of like a trendy topic um, floating around the internet, but it does have a purpose, and there's more and more research coming out about it, which is quite interesting, and I'm going to give you some practical tips on how you can improve your gut health today. All right, so let's dive in. Welcome to the Tea with Tina, your favorite podcast where we talk all things health, fitness, lifestyle, and maybe a little bit of tea gets spilled. We chat all about this in a super casual environment. So grab your beverage of choice, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, so first of all, what I'm reading, what I'm watching. Um, first, I'm reading a book called The Wish. It is by Nicholas Sparks. I may have mentioned it on here before. I can't remember because I, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I started it like a couple months ago and it was good, but I just got away from reading it. Um, but I'm back into reading it again. So I'm like a little over halfway done with it. Love Nicholas Sparks. He's like an easy read. You know, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be heartwarming. It's a little sad, but this won't give too much away. So the synopsis of the book is there's this girl and she's a photographer. Um, she's very good at her job and I believe she's in New York City. I could be wrong. I think it's New York City and she's in her 30s and she finds out she has skin cancer and it actually progresses pretty badly and basically she's not gonna live. And one of her co-workers, her younger co-workers who's kind of helping out the business, um, he's been helping her out and she remembers back to when she um, lived on Ocracoke Island, which is in North Carolina. I felt immediately connected because I visited Ocracoke, so it was kind of cool because I could imagine, you know, what it looked like when, because I went there. Um, but she lived on Ocracoke for a little bit because she got pregnant when she was like 16 years old on accident. So her parents sent her away to the island because it was remote to have the baby, give it up for adoption, and... That was it. And she meets a boy, of course, and some things happen, but that's kind of where I'm at. And like I said, that doesn't really give anything away because you kind of find all this stuff out in the beginning of the book. Um, but it's a very interesting read. It's something, when I think about the book and like the storyline, it feels like it would be boring and nothing would happen. But when I find myself reading about it and how Nicholas Sparks just kind of describes like everyday situations and like the background of characters and what's going through her head, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like it just holds my attention so much. And it's a nice read for once. I mean, obviously there's some tragic stuff that happens in there, but it's kind of heartwarming. It's kind of cute. So definitely like it. If, you, if that's the kind of book you want, go for it. <laughs> um, so we got that. Now on a totally different note, we're going to talk about a murder documentary, which is The Texas Killing Fields. It was like number two on Netflix uh, a couple days ago. But Texas Killing Fields is interesting. It's a it's a short murder doc. I think they're like 40 to 50 minute episodes. There's only three episodes. I got through it all in one day, so I watched it yesterday. And um, it's interesting. So there's this place in Texas where they basically found three bodies okay and they were all from different years but they were of these girls and they were from like the general the same general area 
and it was from like the 1980s up to even the early 2000s and there's some other cases that are kind of related in the area that happened near or around that area and they have a couple different suspects and it's kind of interesting how the story pulls together it doesn't give you i'm not gonna lie the story at the end it like it did give you some closure but it did feel a little unfinished i wish i could know more but i guess they didn't really there's still some mystery in the case itself um i think netflix is popular for um not calling out the police but i think the police may have been at fault here a lot of the murder documentaries where like maybe it was the police's fault like um they destroyed evidence or they might have falsely um went to like say oh this person's the murderer because they basically just wanted to have a closed case um or they fudged evidence or things like that they never mention it <laughs> I don't really know why, but they don't. And I feel like this was one of those instances, too, because the whole, like, um, area of cops, like, did not comment. The police force did not comment, and they didn't want to comment. There was a couple FBI agents that kind of interviewed and stuff, but I think maybe the police also were maybe possibly buddy-buddy with some of the suspects. Um, some things were covered up. Maybe they made mistakes, and they didn't want them to be shown to the public, yada, yada, yada. But I thought that was an interesting kind of open part of the case. I wish I knew more about that side. Um, like, even, like, making a murderer, you know, with um, the Steve Avery case. Stephen Avery. That's his name, right? Avery? I forget. I think his first name's Stephen, but his last name was Avery. Um, a lot of, a lot of police stuff going on in there, so... Um, I think they brought that to light in that one, but there was a couple other ones where definitely the police are at fault, but they just never, they never say anything, so, I don't know, but overall it was a good documentary. I actually liked, um, I felt very emotional watching it, like, I just felt like the way they highlighted the characters, they did a really good job, characters, they're real people, the way they highlighted the people's background stories, um, and really just told told their lives. I mean, it, it really was a, a bright visual. Like, even the one woman, there was a girl that was running. Um, she went out for a run, and she was, like, 13, and she was kidnapped, and they couldn't find her. But, like, she was adopted by this woman, and she has, like, a cute little Irish accent in Texas. And they just kind of paint their everyday life, and it was really... Um, it was vivid and I enjoyed that because it kind of got me more into it and you get more invested in the people um, in that way. So it was kind of interesting. I really liked it. Um, if you are a true crime person, I think you'll like it uh, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, now that that's out of the way, let's chat a little bit about gut health. So over the years, there has been studies that show more and more that the gut is connected to the brain. There is a gut-brain connection. Even the term gut, like, you know, gut used to just be like you had a belly, right? But no, your gut is like your stomach, your microbiome. You have hundreds of thousands of billions of living little organisms in there. And if it becomes imbalanced for one reason or another, whether it be stress, maybe you're eating highly acidic foods that kills thing things off, so it kind of throws your gut balance off um it can cause things but i mean that's the question i guess is it was it the chicken or the egg that came first um 
Is it the gut imbalance that causes these issues or do you have an issue and then it causes the gut imbalance? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. It, we're still in the early ages and the early stages of research in this area. Um, but like a big one, a lot of mood disorders, things like depression, other health issues, even PCOS, which I have, um, different things like that are shown. People that have these disorders um, are shown to have imbalanced gut microbiomes. Um, so it's really interesting or they lack the good ones. Um, there's a lot to it that you can really dig into, but I'm here to just kind of give you a general overview. Um, again, I feel like I could write a whole book on this, but we're just going to kind of cover the basics. So what are some things that you can do to balance your gut health? And what are some things to kind of look out for? I mean, let's think, do you have a lot of bloating, indigestion? Do you need your daily coffee to go to the bathroom? Do you feel like you're constipated? Um, does your stomach get upset very easily? These are all things that I feel like can um, show that maybe something's going on with your gut health and it needs to be addressed. So here's some simple things you can do. So one I would recommend right off the bat, start your morning with a big glass of water, preferably warm water. Um, that warm water, it takes less effort and energy for your body to cool it down because it's body temperature. Um, it'll kind of help get things going and even adding a little bit of lemon, the acidity will help. Um, it just, it helps. <laughs> so some warm lemon water before the coffee, before the energy drink, before whatever you're going to do, um, definitely would be a must and more water in general it just helps lubricate everything we're over 70 percent water we need water to function next thing take a good probiotic i've definitely mentioned this before when i've talked about supplements and just you know basics in general but i notice such a difference i'm someone who gets an upset stomach very easily um i more so have a nervous stomach i would argue and that probably does throw off my gut microbiome because stress does take its toll on the body one way or another physically and or mentally but a probiotic i don't know what it is just when i take it i have no stomach issues um if i don't take it I find myself going like to the bathroom and i'm panicking when we're out my anxiety's higher just everything so my main rule of thumb with a probiotic is find one with the highest bacterial count. So you want um, billions, I'm talking. And usually I'm anywhere between 30 to 50 billion for a serving. And a lot of the brands are shelf stable, but be sure to refrigerate it as well just as a precaution because there are living bacteria in the little pill you're taking. They're very microscopic, but the reason I argue for a higher count is because on the way down, in packaging, um you know, going through your body, some of those little guys are going to die. So you want as many as you can to get to your gut as healthy and alive as possible. So the higher the count, the better chance you have of that happening. Okay. And a probiotic really does help make you regular. It helps, um, your stool to be more solid and just normal, not too dry. Like you're dehydrated, <laughs> the little hard balls, not too runny. Um, it just regulates things and makes you feel good. It could be good for your skin health as well. Um, there's a lot of positives to it. Okay, so probiotics are good. I take, um, oh my god, I gotta, like, look it up now. Okay, I did run and check. I take Renew Life. It's very inexpensive. For a 30-day supply, it's, like, 20 bucks. Um, there's some other ones out there as well, but, I mean, for me, this one has worked, and for it being inexpensive, I'm not gonna question it. <laughs> if it works, it works, right? And I do refrigerate it. They claim it's shelf-stable, but I refrigerate it. Um, then, I mean, listen, 
to get your gut in check, everybody expects like a magic pill or something, right? But really the basics are going to help. Things like eating whole foods, um, making sure your fiber is good and make sure to gradually increase your fiber because if we have too much fiber all at once, it can cause a lot extra bloating and make us irregular for a little bit because our body is trying to adjust to that giant intake of fiber. Like we'll try to have a salad all of a sudden and add in all these veggies and then all of a sudden we're bloated and constipated. So give yourself some time to gradually increase your intake. We want to be anywhere between like 20 to 25 grams of fiber. Um, limiting alcohol, because uh, alcohol can just wreak havoc on your body, and really limiting stress. And that can be working out, because working out is a stressor, work-life boundaries, family, toxic relationships, whatever it may be, your own anxiety, your own stress, you got to limit that stuff. You got to calm down. And the, the crappy part is a lot of us don't realize we're this stressed or super stressed until we kind of remove ourselves from the situation. So it may take a vacation or time away for you to be like, oh, I am actually really stressed. Maybe I need to like chill out a little bit, set some boundaries, cut back, um, do some more stress management techniques getting better sleep, things like that. But you do got to take that basic approach first um, because it's like putting crappy oil or gas into your car, right? Or like I even, my husband, he had um, a 2000 Jeep Wrangler at the time and I think at the time it was maybe around 15 years old, okay? And... It was rusty, but he took good care of it. He made sure to like be ahead on everything. He would change little things on it. He even keep a logbook that most people don't change. Like most people with cars, they're not rotating their tires. They like change their oil maybe when it gets to 3000. Like if a light comes on, a lot of people run it past that. A lot of people don't do the routine recommended maintenance, right? Just like people don't do the routine recommended maintenance on bodies. Like even just simple stuff like drinking water getting so many servings of veggies. I bet you probably nine out of 10 people don't get three servings of veggies a day. Okay. So he did that and it kept running and it was good. You know, did it have a hiccup every now and then? Yes, but it never broke down nothing because anytime something went wrong, he would fix it and keep up with it. Well, he decided to, you know, trade it in for a newer vehicle. It was time, but it was still running. And as soon as the new guy got this, he used it as a snowplow. And, and he didn't keep up with the maintenance the way Derek did. And it, it broke down instantly, right? Because he wasn't nourishing it and giving it what it needed. So it broke down. And I, I really think this is very similar to our bodies. If, if you're not giving it what it needs, it's going to crash and burn. You can't just run it into the ground and not expect to do any routine maintenance on your body, right? So I want you to think of your body like a machine because our ma machines, um, they do highly reflect how our bodies are, you know? Um, you got to take care of them. You got to put high quality stuff in it because it will run better and perform better, right? Okay. So that is important. And I think it's also important to note too, that, you know, going back to that, it's gut health is a well-rounded approach. It's not just one supplement. Um, you can add supplements and I think it'll improve things, but if other areas of your life are lacking, it's going to kind of counterbalance it and nothing's really going to happen. You got to take into account, you know, your social life, your work life, your stress? Do you have any mental health issues that need to be addressed? Do you have any trauma? What is your food intake like? Um, just different things 
all add up. Your workouts, they all connect to equal health. It's just not one single thing. So you got to, like I said, take that holistic approach. And in some areas, you may need to do little to no work. And some areas need a lot of help. And it's totally different person to person, which is why um, you kind of got to analyze yourself and you kind of got to be in tune with yourself and say, what do I need to do? So uh, in addition to all those things, I'd probably recommend supplements last. They do have gut supplements, like I'm actually taking a gut supplement from Legion. I just started taking it. You're basically supposed to take five capsules a day, um, two capsules after a carb-heavy meal, so, you know, maybe breakfast and dinner, or lunch and dinner, and then one capsule after the lower-carb meal. Um, I don't notice a huge difference, I'm not gonna lie, although I haven't been taking all five capsules. <laughs> um, but I'll definitely take them in the morning or dinner or whatever. I ordered actually like a pill case to take with me so I can remember to take all my supplements. But um, I mean, it's one of those things. I think it'll probably help. It it might supplement. It's like when you take pre-workout to workout. Is it going to help long term? No, but it gives you that little boost to like push a little bit harder during the workout. And that's kind of how I view supplements in general. Um, unless you have an actual deficiency in something. It's, it's an add-on. But if anything, a probiotic, I think, is a great addition. I have never seen somebody take a probiotic and, like, not benefit from it. So, um, definitely a great, great investment. And they're relatively low cost compared to other supplements out there, okay? So, that is my thoughts about gut health. Um, I know I didn't dive too deep into anything, but I wanted to just kind of cover it generally, um, I didn't want to get too sciencey, but just, just to get you thinking, get the gears turning a little bit about gut health and maybe some simple things, some simple actionable steps that you can do to implement into your life and start being more aware. And it might just, might, just might help you feel a little bit better today. Okay. And if you feel like somebody needs to hear this, maybe someone you know is um, struggling with gut health. Feel free to share this episode, send it to them. That would mean a lot to me. Um, you know, that just allows me to have more people listening in. Uh, and I love your guys' support. Until next time, though, we'll chat soon. Have a great rest of your week. Bye, guys.